Hello, and welcome to the Talent Acquisition Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Dull, and on this show, we interview today's industry leaders in talent acquisition to discuss challenges, best practices, and what the future holds. If you are working in talent acquisition and have always wanted to sit down with your peers at other companies to exchange ideas and learn, well, this show is the next best thing. Join us each week as we bring you a new expert interview and extract their expertise. This episode is brought to you by Sagemark HR. Transform your recruiting practices with leading edge technology. Selecting the right recruiting solutions to enable your strategy is one of the biggest challenges leaders face today. You know technology will help, but searching all the options to find what will work best for your specific needs can be overwhelming and time consuming. At Sagemark HR, we make selecting the right recruiting technology easy. Our proven process has helped companies such as 3M, Comcast, Stryker, Walgreens, and many more. Reach out to us at Sagemark HR for a free consultation to learn how we can help you improve results with less stress and confidently change from reacting to leading. All right, here we go. Today we have a discussion with Victor Gaines, SVP of Talent Acquisition at Aviana Healthcare. Victor is an excellent talent acquisition leader who I've known for years, and I hope that you all find a lot of value in the conversation we have today. So, Victor, welcome. Thank you very much for participating. Of course. Honored. Great. I guess to to kind of start out, maybe take a couple minutes and just go through your background a little bit to introduce yourself. I don't have to go too in-depth on background. We'll get into that, but just a quick introduction of, uh, of who you are and what you do. Yeah, sure. So, so you know, I lead recruiting today for the core business at a company called Aviana Healthcare. It's a pretty new company. It was a sort of a merger between two companies about three and a half years ago. So most people haven't heard of it. Interesting startup firm, about $1.7 billion in revenue today and growing pretty rapidly. So anyway, I joined them about a year and a half ago or so as their um, SVP of TA. And the whole purpose of them creating the position and of me coming on board was to help them figure out how do they scale recruiting to meet what they have today, which is a really high volume healthcare recruiting need across a broad geography. So we have about 200 locations across the U.S. and the business continues to grow through acquisitions and we continue to acquire new caseloads. So the whole purpose of that role is to to build in some strategy to help this business figure out how to manage that staffing demand. Great. So now let's talk a little bit. Um, we'll get we'll get into more information around your current role later in the podcast, but I, I guess. Let's go backwards a little bit and, and get into your background um, a, a bit. So talk to me a little bit about, um, you know, kind of how you started, where you started, and, and how did you get into talent acquisition? Yeah, always an interesting question. And it's funny, I ask this of everybody that I interview, how did you end up in talent acquisition? It's funny now because I'll talk to, to uh, more recent graduates, more recent than me. I don't know how old that makes me, but, you know, they're like, oh, I studied recruiting in school and my mind is just blown because... We didn't study it in school, right? Right. But so I got into it. My, my background was really in healthcare. And so, you know, even in college, I was working at a university hospital. My first job out of undergrad where I majored in psych was, this is a true story, I was a staff employee working with patients on a locked behavioral health unit, or what we called at the time, a locked psych ward uh, at a large university hospital. And so I stayed in healthcare most of my career. I sort of transitioned from doing this hands-on behavioral health work into recruiting because then I started recruiting for this study that was through the National Institutes of Health with a number of Ivy League schools across the U.S. But I was recruiting patients and their families to participate in this study. 
to look at genetic predisposition to major psychiatric disorders and then sort of parlayed that into recruiting because there was an organization um, that had a recruiting job open up and they needed somebody who was comfortable working in what I would call challenging populations. And so the, the, it was a school and educational facility for kids and adults who have developmental disabilities. And you literally just worked in the middle of the, of the facility population and, you know, open doors, open walls, you name it. And so that's how I ended up getting into recruiting. And then from there, you know, went to a number of healthcare companies. I did healthcare publishing. I did um, RPO staffing for healthcare facilities uh, and biopharma companies. Went to work for a large insurance company and then one of the largest healthcare companies in the world. And that was sort of my path as a recruiter. And I guess if I sort of follow that through to today, it was, you know, along that path, in those later roles, I moved into leadership roles um, and then held some leadership roles at some big global players in the financial services space and in telecom before going back into healthcare, which is where I am today. Right. Thank you for going over that. And if, if you wouldn't mind, share some of the brands that you've worked for as a talent acquisition leader, because your, your, your background is extremely impressive. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. So some of the brands... Gosh, so going back a bit, there was a company that is now um, an IBM company. That was the RPO company that I worked for back in the day, Cigna Insurance, uh, McKesson, Comcast, Fiserv, and then again, now this one, which is Aviana, that is a brand that hopefully is emerging to be powerful. So. <laughs> yeah, that's great. No, you, you have a really exciting opportunity at, at, at Aviana, and um, I've talked to you in the past and, and, and would love to dive a little bit deeper into your current role and, and the scope and, and how it fits into the, you know, kind of how you create value for, for Aviana. So, so let's talk a little bit more around uh, your current role and, and, and what you're doing. Yeah, great question. So, yeah. gosh, so the organization is the complex, or, you know, it's most organizations are. So my team's are primarily supporting the hiring of direct caregivers. So think about nurses, CNAs, speech therapists, physical therapists, across about 200 locations or what we call 200 branches around the country. So the team is about 45, 50 strong today. We're facilitating about 10,000 hires per year. And then, you know, if I sort of zoom up and think about what my role is in the middle of that, it's really providing the strategy and the governance for the recruiting activities, for the budgets and for the teams that are supporting all of those hires across the locations. Great. Great. So so talk a little bit about from a TA perspective where the organization was um kind of where when you joined and 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 then kind of what the journey's been like so far. Yeah, that one's a good one. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, I joined so the I think I referenced earlier the organization's growing really fast. I mean, uh, unbelievable pace of growth, right? So to give you an example of that, we've acquired probably five companies in about the past five months, and we just continued down that path, right? So set that part aside and think about the recruiting team. And the recruiting team is a bit of a hybrid today between, not even really between, they lean toward being a decentralized team, right? That's what our structure is at this point. So if you sort of put those two together and you think about the growth and the lack of centralization, the recruiting was from my perspective, and if I, especially in the from the lens of the recent companies where I've been, right, big fortune, 500, 100, fortune 50, fortune 10, the recruiting felt chaotic from my perspective, right, walking in the door. And it's probably not an understatement, but again, that's why they created the job. And so Aviana relies heavily on on staffing to generate revenue, right? It's really based on our ability to staff cases. We are paid when we have our caregivers out working with our patients who need the most in the community. 
And so there is and was a significant appetite for strategy, right? Like, in other words, they wanted to know how to do it because they have to do it. And so I think that it's a little bit like trying to teach someone to, okay, I'm going to put on a clinical hat on this. It's a little bit like trying to teach someone how to eat if they don't know how to swallow, right? And so the company wanted this strategy, but I think they didn't know what to do with it when it was handed to them. And I don't mean that in a bad way. It was just, there were a lot of new concepts, a lot of new ideas, a lot of new what probably felt to them like aggressive recommendations. And so it was, you know, sort of slow spoon feeding and helping them to absorb it. And I think what we ended up ultimately doing and what I see happening today is that we leveraged the relationships that we have within the business, the passion that the employees here have for the work that we do and technology to create these new ways of working and, and really more importantly for us, new ways of hiring. So that's, I don't know if that makes sense, but that's how I sort of think about the journey of where they were when I came in the door, where we are today. And then of course, there's another piece of that story, which is where we headed, but that's. Great. Yeah. Great. So, so how about any, um, any key accomplishments that you've had so far on, on, on the journey that from, from you or your team that you'd like to share? Yeah. I, you know, probably wouldn't be doing this answer justice if I didn't reference COVID. So I think one of the big things for us is, you know, if you look at a healthcare company in the middle of the pandemic, right, in this unprecedented experience that all of us had in 2020, one of the really cool things that we were able to do here was really still meeting the hiring demand. We still managed to hire 10,000 people, you know, in the face of, of a global pandemic. And I think we did that by really capitalizing on the process improvements that we made, the shifts in the way that we govern the recruiting team and the recruiting function. And I think these uh, really disruptive technologies that we implemented to make, to make it easier for us to respond to the pandemic and deliver the hires that the community needed so that the patients in the community got the care that they need despite what was happening around them. So that one I think was pretty big. And then I think one of the other ones is really, if I think about going back to your earlier question, which is where, where was the organization when I came in, I think helping the organization see the value of automation and see the value of technology, sort of leading them to it and then leaning into leveraging these unique solutions to make this work easier and faster. Because one of the things that I don't think I mentioned earlier is that here at Aviana in the field, we have a lot of people who do recruiting who aren't part of recruiting. And so there are, you know, while there are about 45 to 50 people on the recruiting team today, there are several hundred people in the field who also touch it. So all of those things that have to happen have to happen in a way that works for hundreds and hundreds of people that you don't always see sort of on the surface of what we're doing. So. Yeah, you're doing some some really exciting things with technology, and we'll, we'll talk about that hopefully a little bit as we talk about future state and, and kind of where you're going. So I applaud you for for the efforts that you're putting in there, and and I think you're really transforming the capabilities of of, of that team. So that that's great, and that's really exciting. Um, so as you you start looking at now specific to this year, so obviously you, you know we're we're still unfortunately in kind of a, a COVID environment, well maybe a little bit different than we were a year ago. Still still very relevant, but what challenges um, or what are the biggest challenges or, or biggest opportunities that you think that, that you have this year? So I think challenges, one of my, one of my personal challenges, Ryan, is that I'm always trying to figure out whether there are solutions out there for the challenges that I'm facing. I know it's a little bit of circular logic, but when something comes up, I always wonder, like, is there something that's, you know, that somebody has already thought of? Do I need to reinvent the wheel 
to address this need, right? I think the problems that we sort of experience tend to be like in a decentralized model process management is a big challenge, right? And sort of governing how do people understand the process? How do people execute the process? Um, are they compliant with what has to happen with the process and can they do it in the right way at the right time? And then I think, again, going back to this idea that, you know, our revenue hinges on our ability to staff cases. So that means for us, this perpetual challenge that we have is getting more qualified talent in the door, right? How do we find them? How do we engage them? How do we bring them in in very high volumes of the same types of talent? So we're not hiring a bunch of onesies, twosies. Again, most of them are nurses, for example. And how do you find that many qualified nurses in a market where nurses are in extremely high demand and they're extremely highly valued as they should be in the places where they are today? So I think those are some of our big challenges. I think, I think you were asking too about what other opportunities were we going to be looking at this year. I think the other one for, for us is, and I think it keeps coming up as I'm talking, I can hear myself saying it over and over, but it's pulling that, that lever of organizational structure, right? We're at this pivotal point where we've brought in a number of technologies, um, we've made a number of process changes, we've got folks lined up around how these technologies work and how, how, how we're going to leverage them to drive value for the business. But I think for us to be able to optimize the returns on those investments that we've made, we're at a point where we have to make some shifts in the org structure. And I don't mean it in a bad way. I think it's good changes that will have good outcomes for good people. But I think that's going to be something that will eat up um, a good chunk of our time this year is trying to get the organization right to enable all of these other things that we've done. Great. Yeah. I Let's talk about that a little more. I think you, you've done, as I meant, keep mentioning that you've done some some unique and, and, and great things around leveraging technology. And I think you have a, a really good philosophy around that and how you're managing your journey. Talk a little bit about, you know, as you look into the future, maybe how how you envision kind of recruiting and talent acquisition changing from an experience perspective and how you're how you're leveraging technology to kind of enable that. So your kind of your, your vision for the future and where you're taking it. Yeah. So, you know, I think when I think about where this company needs to go and I think about what we've done and sort of what our, you know, what our roadmap looks like for the next two to three years. I sort of envision this as being a, you know, again, through the acquisitions, we have to be highly scalable. So it's got to be a scalable model. It has to be, I think, when you're starting to talk about volume and you're starting to talk about broad geography, I think we have to be tech-centric. And I think we have to be able to move this high volume of healthcare talent through our pipeline with a white glove service. And I think that's an interesting sort of mix, right, is, is you've got this technology doing part of the work, but we have to be able to step in and usher our caregiver candidates through the process in a way that lets them know that they're valued, but we have to be able to do it with elegance and sophistication, right? It, it has to be easy. It has to feel seamless and it has to be expedient is the word I would use. So that's sort of the vision. I think when I think about how we're using technology to make that happen, one of the things is we're looking at these, you know, what I call the administrative pieces of recruiting. And we're looking at those tasks that are, we do a lot, but they don't add a lot of value. And we're trying to figure out first and foremost, how do we automate those things? And then how do we use the power of machine learning that can essentially you know, chew through more data than we can as individuals very, very quickly for it to say, here's who would be a good fit for your job, right? Regardless of whether that is looking at quality of resumes or administering job fit assessments, all of those different sorts of things, but sort of piecing those together 
in the process in a seamless manner to make this recruiting model high tech. And I don't know what the other word is. I would say flawless, right? Yeah, that's great. No, that's, that's exciting. I mean, that's a, you know, creating scale and efficiency along with maintaining an excellent process and an excellent experience uh, for those that are, are, are using it. That's a big challenge that a lot of people are chasing. And I think you're doing some, some really exciting things there and, and definitely have some best practices. So along the lines of best practices, is there, is there a particular best practice that, uh, you're, that you feel that, that, that you guys have that, that you'd like to share with others that maybe someone else could learn from? You know, I think, not that I want to repeat myself, but I think I think that idea, right, of of looking at your low value, high volume activities and and because if you're looking at your recruiting model, if you've come in as a recruiting leader, right, where are your quick hits? Those are your low hanging fruits. Find those, take those, automate them. Listen, if you can't automate them, find another home for them. If you can't find another home for them, create another home for them and care for them separately. But if you can move those things out of the way so that you're not spending all of your time on the small stuff, right? Because that's where it's easy to get bogged down. And I think if you're not careful, you get so bogged down in it that you forget to come back up and see, you know, what's the big picture. So that would be step one that I would recommend for anybody. Yep. No, that, that's great. I mean, we, uh, you know, at, at SageMark, we talk with, you know, hun- over a hundred, you know, TA leaders, uh, usually on an annual basis. We're, we're always <laughs> talking with other TA leaders and, and, and that's something that comes through quite often. Not everyone has great solutions around that, but I, I've seen organizations that have as much as, you know, 75, 80% of their recruiters time spent on those transactional elements. And it's just, oh, it's, it's almost impossible to scale and have a good experience. And that's where you get all these you know, waiting time for all the candidates and there's delays in the process and it's clunky. And yeah, I think that's a, that's a real huge area that technology can help. So you know, uh, I think that, that's great. Yeah, you're spot on. A couple of years ago, it was the talent advisor research that came out. I don't know if you remember when sort of that was a big, a big deal, right? Sort of moving recruiters out of this idea of being a recruiter and into being a talent advisor. And one of the things that was in that research was this idea that most recruiters are really good at process management, right? And unfortunately, I think in recruiting, it's easy to to become so good at process management that it becomes a crutch. And, you know, we become guardians of process and, you know, forcing people to do, you know, X, Y, and Z and hop through the bureaucratic tape. And it starts to drive the business crazy because they want to get to the meat of this work, right? Which is finding good talent, engaging good talent, getting them in the door and getting them working, but we're just, you know, pushing these processes, whether it's through the ATS or it's through our manual process, whatever it is, but that's exactly it. And I think you take those, automate some of that, and then it allows us to go, now how do we become strategic talent partners to the business in a way that allows us to add value and get a seat at the table to sort of use that old phrase. But all of that to me comes from chipping away at this stuff that you see right before you so that you can get at what's beneath the surface. No, I think that's great. I think that's, you know, a lot of organizations are on that kind of exploration or that journey to try to accomplish just that. I guess, you know, my personal public service announcement to anyone listening to this is, I think that's great. Just be careful on who you select and why you select them because, you know, technology is is awesome and can help, but you got to make sure it's the right technology for your specific needs. And uh, it, it can be so painful and expensive if you, if you make a wrong choice. So oh, absolutely. Um, that's my own personal public service announcement. So, so just be careful. <laughs> Listen, um, you're not wrong. You could end up automating the wrong things. You could overspend, you could, 
you know, you, it, long story short, if you solve the wrong problem, you're creating more problems than you ever had in the first place. And so, yeah, it, it has to be the right one. Yeah, great. All right, so I've, I just got a couple more questions on to final questions. Sure. So, so as you look to the future of recruiting, and so taking a step back from from all the great work that you're doing at Aviana, and and looking at you know some of the biggest challenges and opportunities in recruiting as a function in the future, like how how do you look at that, or, or what do you see? You know, looking into the the crystal ball, I guess I think we were just touching on some of this, but I think that recruiting leaders and their teams are going to have to continue to try to figure out how do you add value to your business, right? I, I think it seems to me there are often these unanswered or Ryan, maybe even unasked questions, right? About how do we provide role clarity for the recruiting teams? So I think recruiting can be responsible for so many different things. You might be staffing at volume. You might be improving quality. You might be out hunting for unique unicorns in the tech space or, or unicorn executive roles. You could be um, looking at improving the diversity mix of your employee base or for leaders, maybe you're, you're trying to provide that strategic labor guidance to your business to help them enable the strategy. But you, you have to be clear on what it is that the business wants from you so that that path ahead, that path forward for you and for your team becomes clear and bright. But once you ask that question, it does get very clear. I think the demands of our workforce, right, are going to continue to change and change in ways that we haven't even thought about. And I think at, at, at a pace that we can't even begin to, to imagine. So even just looking again at the past year, you think about what COVID did for the workforce. I think you and I had this conversation at one point. You know, I, I have this theory that COVID itself is going to change how people work. Like, right, where do they work? When do they work? What do they think about work? How dedicated are they to work versus the other things in their lives, right? And how do they use that personal value of time sort of more effectively. But I think the other thing that's changing is um, knowledge and technology. And I think we, we have to figure out the ideas and the concepts that will emerge from the changing technology and the changing knowledge. I think we have to figure out how do we go out and find that talent in the market? Because going back to this idea that the world is changing rapidly, that means that the skills that we need in the workforce are going to change equally as rapidly and probably faster than we can actually get them in. So I think our challenge will be in really understanding what are the core competencies and the skills that are needed that make people good fits for the roles that we have, and then how do we go out and find them? And I don't know if all that makes sense, but it's, again, you know, how the world's changing and how that's going to affect what we have to do in recruiting to be effective for our businesses. Yeah, it makes total sense. And and I couldn't agree more. I think, you know, as you look at the impact of, of COVID and, and the last year that we've been in, um, you know, in the year 2020, and, and thinking about, you know, some people are saying, oh, it's going to, you know, slow things down and it, you know, there's just not going to be as much progress and all these things. In, in reality, I truly believe it was a catalytic event that is has accelerated so many aspects of, of recruiting and workforce and all these types of things as far as virtual work and experience that people want in order to you know speed to to hiring and uh, leveraging technology and solutions and all of these different things. I, I think it's been a real um, catalyst versus something that slowed it down and it's really caused us all to think around like, okay, how can we stay ahead of that and, and continue to innovate in order to to, you know, not only lead, but add, add more value than we have in the past. Absolutely right. And it's, you know, we thought in healthcare, I, you know, I guess when COVID first emerged, we didn't know what to think, but there were a lot of industries that were negatively impacted, right? If you've tried to buy 
you know, furniture recently, you, you, you know, um, there were industries that have been absolutely decimated by COVID. Healthcare had this kind of weird thing where, you know, you had people who didn't want to work and you had other people who rose to the challenge as absolute heroes on the front lines and said, I want more work. How do I get more work? Right. And our patients didn't cease to be our patients because, because of a pandemic, we just had to figure out how to care for them perhaps differently. We had to care for them in a safer manner, but that's just what we see in the healthcare industry alone. And there you saw, to your point, it was a huge catalyst of people working, uh, driving down the unemployment rate in that healthcare space, driving up wages in the healthcare space, right? And I think you're going to see that across a number of different industries. And now that, that that things are you know starting to come back to normal, I think a lot of people are saying in a lot of industries, well, what should I expect? But I think the demand is there and pent up for so many different products and services in the market that you're going to see a huge boom in hiring demand across multiple industries and multiple companies and multiple locations, probably around the world. So yeah, I think it's going to be pretty interesting over the next six, 12 months. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. Yeah, I I agree. So uh, great. Last question, opportunity to give back a little bit to whoever uh, listens to our podcasts and our community here. So you can take this question uh, one of two ways. It could either be some advice you would give to your younger self or any advice you would give to other people in the talent acquisition space that, that you think would be valuable and, and help them. It's probably, they're probably the same answer, I guess, right? Like if it, I think if I'm giving advice to my younger self, it's exactly what I would tell somebody who's at, you know, at an earlier point in their career today, right? And right, what would I say? What would I say that's appropriate? All right, so two things. I would say the question that you asked me a minute ago, I would say always, always go back and ask your leadership and your organization, what is expected of you and your team, right? I think it's very easy for us to go into a function like recruiting and not ever ask for this clarity. And it's important to ask that question. And it's important to then have a grown-up conversation about what that, what that means to the person who answers your question. And perhaps more importantly, what does good look like? right? So if somebody says, here's what I want you to do, got it. So if I do X, is that successful, right? Like define what good looks like at the end of this to your when we reach that point and have that conversation about the good and have the conversation about feasibility, because sometimes you end up in a really good place. And sometimes you find that expectations are in need of some education, right? And that's your job to be able to sort of steer them in the right direction. And I think the second thing is kind of related to that. And it's, you know, I heard somebody say, use this term recently. I think you might've used it recently, Ryan, but embrace your superpower, right? You're hired as a TA leader for a reason. So lean in and be the experts. And I think it's very easy for organizations to tell you how they want recruiting done. And I think a lot of folks you'll, you'll sort of encounter in your career in different positions, think they know what recruiting looks like. Maybe they did it 20, 30 years ago. And, you know, when we had pay phones and Rolodexes and those sorts of things, but they, they don't always know what it is that they need. And so when you come in and you start catering to sort of the squeaky wheel or, or the most visible pain point, you may not be solving for the right issue. So I say, ask those questions, be the expert, show them what the solution looks like and, and lead them down the path to help them find those solutions and to execute those solutions. Great. No, that's really, really great advice and, and, and appreciate that. I think uh, it's always funny to me. I mean, I, I, like you, I've been in talent acquisition the bulk of my career, coming up on 25 years now, been in a lot of different situations. I absolutely love the space, 
but there are certain things that, man, are they frustrating? Like, so <laughs> like, especially when you're working with some hiring managers and people where you're serving them, but they may have had an experience with recruiting, you know, 20 years ago. And it's one of the few, um, it's one of the few professions out there where the non-experts always seem to, to find themselves uh, capable of, of telling all the experts what to do. And so, you know, exactly. you don't always go to the, the auto mechanic and say, Hey, uh, you know what, this is wrong with my car. And this is exactly what I want you to do to fix it or whatever. And no, don't do what you thought. Right. So it's, it's a unique environment. Um, takes a lot of patience for TA professionals and the best ones are able to um, navigate that, bring people along, explain what the experience should look and feel like and, and, uh, and do that successfully. But there are plenty of landmines there you got to watch out for. So I, I appreciate that advice um, for sure. And, and I know the audience does as well. So thanks so much, Victor. Really appreciate your time, appreciate your answers um, and appreciate you as an innovative TA leader. And, and, and so, so thank you very much for participating. Awesome, Ryan. Thanks so much for having me on and appreciate your partnership. All right, great. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Talent Acquisition Leaders Podcast. If something we said today resonated with you, please subscribe, rate, and download our podcast and share the episode with your network. Ready to transform your recruiting practices with leading edge technology, just like our other clients at 3M, Comcast, Stryker, and Walgreens? then reach out at sagemarkhr.com for a free consultation.